0: Welcome to Preach the Word podcast. My name is Ashton MacDonald, and I am your host. I'm going back in the archives for today's episode to a sermon that was shared by Pastor Shad MacDonald, May 29th of 2016. The scripture reading comes from Genesis chapter 31, as well as Genesis chapter 35. The sermon is titled, Long Way Home. If you would like to stay up to date with our most recent episodes of the podcast, please subscribe. You can also share an episode with friends or family by tapping the share button. Listen today as Pastor McDonald shares some of his family history and memories about going back home. And let me say that you may be a long way from home, but let me assure you that grace is greater than your past and you can make it back home. Thank you for listening.
1: Chapter 31 of Genesis, verse 3, And the Lord said unto Jacob, Return unto the land of thy fathers and to thy kindred, and I will be with thee. Return unto the land of thy fathers. Chapter 35, verse number 1, And God said unto Jacob, Arise, go up to Bethel and dwell there, and make there an altar unto God that appeared unto thee. When thou fleddest from the face of Esau thy brother, then Jacob said unto his household, and to all that were with him, put away the strange gods that are among you, and be clean, and change your garments. And let us arise and go up to Bethel, and I will make there an altar unto God, who answered me in the day of my distress and was with me in the way which I went. And they gave unto Jacob all the strange gods which were in their hand, and all the earrings which were in their ears. And Jacob hid them under <coughs> the oak which is by Shechem. And they journeyed, and the terror of God was upon the cities that were round about, and they did not pursue after the sons of Jacob, verse 27, and Jacob came unto Isaac, his father, unto Mamre. If the Lord would stand by me, I want to preach a message entitled Long Way Home. In 1986, a young Indian boy in the country of India, whose name was Sori, was riding a train. Sori, a young boy of five, was riding a train in India. The reason why he was on that train is because his 14-year-old brother was a sweeper and a custodian on that train. And that particular day, he had went along to ride the rails with his brother as his brother swept the train. In 1986, there was not much care taken for little Indian boys riding trains. And this little five-year-old boy went to sleep. When he awoke, much to his horror, his 14-year-old brother was gone. It would be 25 plus years before he would find out that his brother, the 14-year-old sweeper, had been killed in an accident while the train had been stopped and young 5-year-old Sori had slept right through it. He looked around the train and saw no familiar face, so he stepped off the train and seeing another train about to disembark from the station, young 5-year-old Sori boarded that, boarded that train and that train took him eventually to Calcutta. By now he's over a thousand miles away from home and he don't even know it. At five years of age he don't even know the name of his hometown and for 25 plus years he wanders and he lives on the streets. By and by he winds up in Hobart, Tasmania. Now he's thousands and thousands of miles away. And so now he's 30 plus years old and someone says by the means of Google Earth and the internet that if you can remember what your hometown looked like, you can see it on the internet. And so he begins to think and with the mind of a five-year-old, he begins to envision the little small Indian village where he lived. He remembers that outside of the village where he lived, there was a small water passage and there was a rolling brook, and there was a small waterfall there. They searched for months. They searched for months and months. And finally, after 25 years of being gone from home, 25-year-old Sorey Briley finds his way back home. He knocks on the door of a ramshackle, run-down shack, and there's no answer. He walks through that village and he says, I'm looking for my mother. He has the only remnant of his past is a picture of him as a five-year-old boy. They pass that picture through the village and by and by somebody remembers him as a child and they say, we know where your mother is and they take him to where his mother is. He said she was not young and beautiful as she had been before the heat and hard work had weathered her face and changed her countenance he said but immediately i knew it was my mother i want to preach today on long way home long way home there's there's something wonderful about going to smith county mississippi that's where mom and dad are both from i i uh i don't uh, begrudge or feel it all of a hardship to do anything for mom or Linda. I, I guess it's the nostalgia and it's the emotion that overwhelm you when you think about going home. I, I think about where mom was raised and where dad was raised and Sullivan's Hollow is what that's called in Smith County. And for all you that would like to go sometime, just get on 63 and go to 98 and from 98 to 15 and run 15 through Richeton and Laurel, and when you get there at Laurel, you're going to hit 18. And 18 will take you uh, all the way up and run 18 all the way up, 15 rather, all the way up to Bay Springs. And when you get there at Bay Springs, you're going to have to hit 18 and go to Silverina. And about midway between Silverina and Raleigh, you're going to come to Smith County Road 381. Now, there's a brick house sitting there on the hill, right there at that intersection, and that's where Cleo Thompson lived. That's my daddy's uncle. And then just on back behind him is where Dewey McDonald live. lived. That's my daddy's uncle. And if you run Smith County 381 on around there for a little ways and come around, you're going to come to the double churches. Now the double churches is the double church. That's because two Sundays a month, the Methodists have it. And then two Sundays a month, the Baptists have it. And you can walk out there to that cemetery beside the double churches and, and, and you're, go- you're going you're gonna see some grave markers there of two two great old people that I remember just as a tiny little boy. That was John and Bessie Craft. And then 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 you're gonna come, you're gonna see another grave marker there, and that's Earl and Vera Lee Thompson. That's my daddy's grandparents, too. And then if you look a little further over there, you're gonna see a grave marker. And it's going to be of Milton Edwards and Eula Catherine Edwards. That's my my dad's mother, stepdad. I'm talking about Long Way Home. Talking about those familiar markers and those things that you, you see that pull you back toward home. And you leave Double Church and come back out to the highway and run on just a, a little ways. And just right before you hit the hill and go into Raleigh, you're going to see a road there that says Turner Chapel Road and run up Turner Chapel Road and just right there on the hill is East Side Baptist Church. Walk out there and look and there's a, there's some grave markers there and there's a Christian Lamel Borkin. That's Mama's daddy. And then there's Zona May Borkin. And then there's Rayford Clark Borkin, Mama's brother. All those are familiar markers You're getting close to home. Come back out to the highway, and just as you top the hill, there's husband's cleaners on the left. And then right there on the right is where Aunt Linda lives. She's lived there for years and years in the house that Shannon built. Before that was the old home place. That's where they lived all those years. Home. There's a word I want want you to remember, please. It's called homing. Homing is the inherent ability navigate. Homing is the inherent ability to navigate through unknown and unfamiliar territory back to where you originated, back to where you were birthed. That's called natal homing. Back to where you began, back to your source, back to where you started. There's something about homing that is very interesting in in regard to what animals can do in regard to going back to their native place of birth Topographic memory is something that scientists have learned that animals have Topographic memory the ability to somehow know where they're going and they know just because they know There's no other reason for it than they just know that's the direction to go. There's nothing that they can say any other than they just know that's the way home. Some time ago, uh, I had mentioned to Kathy, I said, do you think you want to go by... Do you think you want to go by Shady Grove Cemetery? She thought for a moment. She said, yeah, let's go. So out, up, Progress Denham Road we went and, and made the cut back over toward Millery Road and come up on the back side of Pine Tree Community and there on the left is, is Shady Grove Cemetery. On our way to that cemetery we got to counting and it had been 25 plus years since Kathy had been to that cemetery and, and I remarked to her I said, do you think you'll have to look long to find your dad's grave? She said, I'll right to it walked there in that cemetery and that cemetery was where Lonnie and Lincoln and Levi and Lola and Lenny was hung up on L's wasn't he where they all buried her aunts and uncles and so after 25 plus years of not being there I thought I wonder so when I parked the automobile I lauded just a minute there beside the vehicle just to see and suddenly Kathy was a little 5 year old girl again and she's going to the, to the graveside of her dad that died a horrible, untimely death. And without stopping for a moment, without stopping for a moment, she got out of that vehicle and walked straight to his grave marker. There's something about knowing because you know you've been there before and you know where it's at. And so today I'm preaching about long way home something that God put inside of every person's heart. You know the way to go because you've been there before. You know what you've got to do to get there because you've been there before. And so it is with coming back to God. So it is it's returning back to our faith, to our beginnings. To our point of origination. Where we all started. There's something wonderful about knowing I can get there. Because I've been there before. It's not something that I have to struggle over. It's not something that I'm in a quandary about. Will it work? Can I get there? Oh, but because I've been there before. I know exactly where it's at. Now there's something about homing that is topographic. But there's also something about homing that literally amazes scientists and that is magnetic orientation. And magnetic orientation is found in animals that live in the depths and live in the dark, such as lobsters in the depths of the sea or even mole rats and animals that bury in the depths of the earth. Somehow or another, it's uncanny. That intuitive knowingness that those animals have Without a map, without a GPS, that magnetic pull that is inside of that animal will bring it back home. And I pray that in this service today, I pray that the good Holy Ghost would just settle right down in this room and something would begin to woo and pull your heart and make you realize it's time to make that journey back home. Magnetic orientation is also followed by celestial orientation. And that is they are certain animals. When they begin to make that migration, when they begin to make that turn back to their natal origination point, they will wait till it's dark and they will follow the stars And the stars will lead them back home. (laughs) There's something that's also called olfaction orientation. And that's just a $50 word for the sense of smell. And so if you've ever lived in Jackson County, you can be sound asleep coming down Highway 63. But when you smell that pokey plant and you smell Morton Thichol chemical plant, you know you're getting close to home. There's something about that smell that makes you know you're getting close to home. Something about being in Zona May Borkin's kitchen with them big old cat head biscuits and that tomato gravy. And if that ain't enough, some fried fat back, amen, and some chocolate gravy. There's something about the smell of that that makes me think of home. And so today I'm just trying to stir up your pure mind and cause you to realize home is a great place to be. Home is a wonderful place to go to. And if you're a backslider here today, if you've drifted far from your faith, if you've lost your bearings, if you're away from God, you can come back home today and so it is with Jacob the Lord speaks to him and tells him Jacob it's time for you to come back home several years ago I've heard dad tell a number of times how that they were deer hunting and Papa Eddie had killed a deer and when they got to where he was he was sitting waiting on him And so he pointed in the direction of where that deer was, and they began to make their way. And they noted that as they made their way, Papoetti had dropped some bits of cloth along the path to show them and direct them to their destination. He put some cloth along the wayside. So there's some way marks by the wayside I want to offer you today. that You're trying to make that long journey home. There's some things that you have to do in chapter number 35 and verse one. So the text reads, and God said unto Jacob, first thing you got to do is listen. Listen when God calls to your heart. That's what Jacob had to do. Jacob had to listen. He had been so long doing his own thing, going his own way, listening to his own whims, his own wants and his own desires. But now Jacob is listening, listening when God calls to his heart. How merciful, may I say please, how merciful is the voice of God. God had spoke to him before, but those words had been disregarded. Those words had been long since forgotten. Those words were long since removed out of his heart. And the scripture said in Genesis 35, 1, and God said, God was willing to speak again. How merciful is the voice of God. You may be here today and you may be able to honestly say that you've never disregarded the voice. But I am honest to say that there's been times I've disregarded the voice. There's been times when I've disallowed what God has said. There's been times when I've not hearkened to what God said And because of that, I've got myself a long ways from home. Oh, but now Jacob is a long ways from home. As a matter of fact, it's been 25 plus years since he's been to Bethel. And God said, Arise and go to Bethel. How merciful is the Voice of God and then immediately at that word Bethel how memorable are his vows to God he remembers what brought him to Bethel he recalls what happened what incident that occurred in his life that brought him to Bethel he leaves his father's house as an exile without an escort he's a fugitive and a vagabond his brother Esau hates him and seeks to destroy his life and and he came to Bethel can you imagine after 25 plus years Jacob is now returning back to Bethel he wonders how will it feel what will be there what will he see what will he see what emotions will he know when he gets to Bethel I pray today that God is calling some heart back to Bethel I pray in this service today that somebody is hearing the voice of God and God is calling you back to Bethel I, I, I do not feel that he heard the voice of God audibly I think that we all sense the voice of God and we know the voice of God through that innate inherent ability that God put within us in the spirit that he gave man man became a living soul somehow another God speaks to our spirit And God speaks to us through the voice of His Word. And I want to believe today that somehow conviction is in this house today. And you may have been coming and sitting on a church pew for years. But your heart's a long way from Bethel. Your heart's a long way from God. Your heart's a long way from the vows that you once made. How memorable the vows to God that He made. He remembers 25 plus years previous. Of how that he saw a vision and he heard a voice and he made a vow. And he promised God what he would do. He's reminded of those vows. And so could I take just a moment please to ask. To just simply inquire of your heart. Have you kept up those vows you made? Have you kept up those vows you made? Vows you made to God. Vows you made to your companion. Vows that you made... What you told God you would do. What you told your companion you would do. What you told your preacher you would do. May I say it's important. That when you make a vow. You keep the vow. It's better not to make a vow. Than to break it. If you defer to pay it. You broke a vow. Jacob. Remembers those vows. That he made. At Bethel. If you're going to find your way back home. You're going to have to listen. And then there's something else you're going to have to do. You're going to have to leave. Listen. He listens. He listens to the call of God in his heart. And then he leaves. He leaves what God condemns in his house. He's going to Bethel. He's going back home. He's going to where his faith began. And he looks to his household and he said, we can't go home with that. We can't take that with us. Now there's some clarification I want to offer please. In regard to the way that Jacob addresses those of his house. He said unto his household, and that meant his wives and his children and all that were with him, put away the strange gods. Notice that word God there is little g. For you see, even his beloved Rachel was a guilty of idolatry. It was she that took her father's labans, gods, and brought them with them. And while we have no direct inference that jacob was an idolater and we have no direct reference that jacob himself worshiped these gods he allowed it in his household as a matter of fact the earrings that were in their ears they no doubt stole them from the inhabitants of shechem and by the way that's in chapter number 34 and there's some awful horrific deplorable unmentionable things that happen in chapter number 34 that would have never happened if Jacob would have been in haste to go back to where God had told him to go to start with he's loitered too long he has sit at the gate of Shechem and his daughter Dinah has been defiled and there's been sin and treachery until Jacob said to his son you've made my name to stink in the the nostrils of the inhabitants of Shechem, and it's a bad thing when Christians have a bad reputation among the lost and because Jacob lauders and is so long going home shame and disgrace and reproach comes to Jacob's house until he said you've made my name But what do you do with a mess? What do you do when you've made a mess? And the Lord said, arise and get thee to Bethel. And so what does he do? In repentance, he acknowledges idolatry. That's the true mark of repentance, is to call sin, sin. He calls them strange gods. He said, put away the strange gods. In resolve, he abandons iniquity. Now, it's one thing to acknowledge idolatry. It's one thing to affirm what the preacher says. It's one thing to admit, Brother MacDonald is right. The pastor's preaching right to us. That's in the King James Bible. And you to acknowledge what's right. Jacob first acknowledges the idolatry that's in his house. It's in Rachel. It's in his children. They have completely forsook faith. And they're living as the heathen do. Dad, it's one thing for you to admit. It's one thing for you to accept what your family's doing is wrong, but there's got to be initiative on your part. He not only acknowledges idolatry, but he abandons the iniquity and he gathers it all together and he buries it under an oak. May I say, for the things that are iniquitous, for the things that are idolatrous, we must take them to the cross. We must take them to the tree and the They must be buried there for everything that is against God, for everything that opposes God, for everything that withstands the knowledge of God. Take it to the tree and bury it. And that's what Jacob does. He buries it there as if to say, this is part of my past and I'm leaving it there and I will return to it no more. (laughs) The only solution, the only answer that Jacob has for he and his house is to get back to God. And it involves repentance and resolve. Repentance to acknowledge this is sin. And then resolve enough fortitude... Enough guts, if you will, please, to say no more of this in my house. We're going back to Bethel. I thank God (coughs) for my dad and my mom. I'm not much, but what I am, I am because of them. And I, I, I don't think dad ever had any relish or got any glee from taking the stand for holiness that he did. And at the time, I didn't understand. But now I understand more that as a parent, there's some things that you've got to do for your house. (laughs) True story. Wendy Bagwell said with my hand up, true story, C.W. Roseboro, Colorado, he said I walked out the front door of my house and he said "I, I seen a coon run out from under my car just as I got to my automobile. He said that coon darted across the yard, up the tree, out on the limb, and right at the very end of that limb he jumped right through a hole that was in the gable of my house. He said, I'm not about to climb up in that attic and fight with no coon. He said, so I left him there. He said, that evening when I come home from work, he said, that coon was out in the yard. And he said, I run and got a water hose and I baptized him. Well, you, you can't save a coon with baptism. He thought surely that would put him on the run and he'd been afraid. He'd never come back. Next day he comes out, out of his house coon right there in the yard again he went and got a pellet gun he said and I just fired repeatedly after that coon and that coon run to that same tree run up that same tree run out that same limb and jumped right in that hole that was in the gable right into the attic he said a few days later he said I was out in the yard and I saw that coon again true story he said so I went and got a long pole and I got me a cloth, and I tied it on the end of the pole, and I put me some fire starter on the end of it, and he said, I went to chasing that coon. He said, I run that coon up into a brush pile, caught the brush pile on fire, caught the coon on fire, and the coon run up the tree, out on the limb, and into the open hole that was in the gable of the attic burnt the house down true story the moral of that true story is you can do anything you want to do but if you're going to save your house you better fix the hole that is in the gable and oftentimes we try this and we try that and we do so many things but what we better do is fix the hole that is in the roof if we don't there's some things going to get in the home that will destroy your house now I know I know if you're like me, there's nothing that is any more precious. Nothing that I endure, endear any more than my wife and my children, but may I say they are enemies. They are things that are after your home. They are things that are after your children. Amen. And I know you don't want to hear this from me today, but the fact of the matter is if you're going to save your house, you're going to have to clean your house. You're going to have to get some strange gods out of your house. You're going to have to remove some things and then say it's Time to go back to Bethel. (coughs) Here's some way markers by the wayside. If you're trying to make that long journey home, listen when God calls to your heart. Leave when God, leave what God condemns in your house. And then now Jacob begins this journey and he's living as God commanded And that he honored. What was the difference? Shechem was a settled lifestyle. Shechem was a worldly lifestyle. Sitting at the gate of Shechem was doing like they done. And God said, I didn't call you for that. You're different. You're not your own. I am your God, just like I was your father's God. And just like I was your grandfather's God. And that has always been a mystery to me. Him being the God of Abraham. I accept that. The patriarch. And the God of Isaac. The promise. That's easy to accept. But he's not only the God of Abraham and Isaac, he's the God of Jacob. Jacob, with all of his duplicity, Jacob, with all of his deception, Jacob, with all of his double dealing, God says, I'm going to take him and make him the progenitor. He'll be the one that will bring the tribes. He will be the one that I will bring, use him to bring the promise that I made to Abraham. Isn't it wonderful how God can take a crooked stick and draw a straight line? Hallelujah. And so he goes back to Bethel <coughs> and I won't read it all but it's there in chapter 35. He comes to Bethel and at Bethel there is the covenant word of grace. As a matter of fact, take time to read it. In chapter number 34, God is never mentioned. Not one time is God mentioned in chapter 34. But in chapter 35, over and over and over again God is mentioned and there he gets the word of grace the word of covenant grace is followed by worship Jacob says I tell you what I'm gonna do I'm gonna do just like I did when I was here before I'm gonna rear up a pillar in other words I'm gonna stack up some stones And I'm going to worship God. Covenant word of grace. He never hears in chapter number 34. But he hears it in chapter number 35. Consecrating worship of his gratitude. He says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to pour some oil on this. Hallelujah. And I'm going to make those same vows. As a matter of fact, when you get time, read chapter number 35. And then go back to where Jacob is at Bethel and read that. The similitude there is remarkable. God speaking to Jacob again. Same promise that he gave him before. This story will have a familiar turn. 1972 Reader's Digest first printed this story. Brother Leon Buzzard said that if you got a King James Bible, a Webster's Dictionary, a Cruden's Concordance, and a Reader's Digest, you got plenty of material for preaching. In 1972, Reader's Digest published this story. And then in April of 2005, they republished this story. A Greyhound bus leaves a terminal in New York City. On this Greyhound bus is six teenagers, three boys and three girls. They're going to Fort Lauderdale, Florida for the summer. They ride for long hours and they notice a man sitting alone and by himself. His complexion is pallor. His cheeks are sunken and they wonder what kind of man is he? By and by, they stop at a Howard Johnson's motel. Now, that's a long time ago for the night, and they get a room, all except for that man riding the bus. He he sleeps on the bus. The next day, they start riding again. And finally, one of those teenagers gets up the courage to go to that man with that pallor complexion and sunken cheeks and say, Where are you going? He said, My name is Vingo, and I just got out of the New York State Penitentiary. Everybody gets quiet. He said, I'm going to Brunswick, Florida. That's just outside of Jacksonville. I'm going home. They said, Home? He said, Home. Are you married? His complexion draws, his lip trembles. And there's a hint of a tear. And he said, I I used to be, but I don't know if I still am. He said, when I got my pardon, he said, I mailed a letter to Brunswick, Florida, to my wife. And I told her that I had been paroled. He said, I didn't have time to wait for a response. Of course, 1972, they wasn't much in the way of cell phones or anything back then, hardly were they. He said, so I thought I'd ride this bus all the way back to Brunswick, Florida. And here's the familiar twist. One of those teenagers asked that old convict, how you going to know if you can go back home? He said, I wrote in my letter and I told my wife if she would let me come back home out there in that big old oak tree that's by the highway just tie a yellow handkerchief wonder where he got that from them six teenagers said ten miles before we ever got to Brunswick every one of us our faces was glued to the window and he said we got closer and closer and closer and he said one of those kids said that suddenly way yonder in the distance there was a giant tree And it was just yellow all over. That tree was full of yellow handkerchiefs. And underneath it was a a lady waving a handkerchief saying, welcome home, welcome home. I heard a story once like that when I was just a boy. As a matter of fact, I heard a preacher from this very county rehearse it time and time again about the old apple tree. Well, whether it be the apple tree or whether it be the old tree, there's something familiar about that story that just simply says, it don't matter what you've done, It don't matter where you've been. It don't matter if you're a convict in the state of New York City and you're an old con trying to get back home, or if you're Jacob and you've been down at Shechem and you want to get back to Bethel, the old con Jacob can get back home. And so I want to say to everybody in this room, to every backslider, to every cold heart, to to every home that's plagued with strange gods what do you say, Dad? What do you say, Mom? Let's clean house and let's go back to Bethel and go back to God again. Stand please while they come with the song, Father. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your mercy. Thank you for your presence that's so real in our hearts today. God, I pray, Lord, that you will direct some hearts back home. I pray, God, that you will stir in our lives vows that need to be reaffirmed, convictions that need to be reinstated. Do that in the hearts of some fathers here today. Do that in the hearts of some moms and dad. Do that for some parents in this building. Your heads are bowed. I'm thinking of young couples in this house today. Perhaps the Lord is saying to you, Arise and go up to Bethel. Maybe you've become discouraged in your faith and somehow or another you've lost your way. Somehow or another you feel like you've got so far away and you've become foreign to things that you once held so tenaciously to. Now you've been pulled away. I believe the Holy Ghost is here to help someone this morning make that long journey home.